Welcome to the Nashville Fitness Podcast, hosted by doctors of physical therapy, Chris and Ross. Here we're going to dive into all things movement, health, and fitness. And we're going to chat with some local fitness experts and friends about their areas of expertise. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nashville Fitness Podcast. Uh, Today, we're hanging out with Ross and Spencer again, and we are going to dive into all things shoulder pain, specifically shoulder pain on the front of the shoulder, and when you have it with pressing a barbell or dumbbell or anything overhead, uh, for that matter. And um, yeah, I think pretty much everyone knows, you know, the the shoulder has bad connotation to it. Everyone automatically assumes, oh, crap, I'm going to need rotator cuff surgery tomorrow because my shoulder hurts. Uh, probably because they know somebody that had surgery and uh, that's just what the internet will probably tell you as well, right? Is I should just stop stop pressing barbells overhead and I just need to uh, have surgery tomorrow because that'll fix everything, right? And so, because oftentimes we'll, we'll dive into some things and we'll see patients, man, they'll have surgery and then they'll have issues in the future because that underlying root cause wasn't fixed. So yeah, today we want to dive into um, what the heck the rotator cuff is, Maybe some modifications for you guys and maybe a couple just kind of clinical pearls and, and, and things to take away from a mobility standpoint or maybe even a couple drills uh, as well. So, guys, why don't we start off uh, just kind of a brief uh, synopsis of like what the heck is the rotator cuff and uh, like why is it important? Right, right. So um, I'll take that one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so everybody's familiar with the, the rotator cuff, but, you know, it seems like nobody – our patients typically have a great grasp of its function, you know, what it is, um, and it's, you know, design, um, rotator cuff in, in its simplest form is designed to be a stabilizer during big movements. Uh, it's a series of four small muscles, um, that essentially lie under the deltoid, the big guy on top there and function to essentially seat the humeral head in the glenoid cavity during big, large movements like an overhead press or, you know, a push-up or a bench press, things like that, or for a throwing athlete, the throwing motion. Um, So essentially when the mechanics or when the rotator cuff is damaged, uh, those mechanics can be altered. And when those mechanics are altered, you get excessive movement of the glenohumeral joint and the humeral head there. Um, And that's when you start to see things like shoulder impingement or, uh, you know, rotator cuff pathologies. Um, kind of creep into the picture. Good. I like it. Ross, you want to dive into that at all? Man, rotator cuff is, uh, it's the, the rotator cuff is often like uh, the middle child, you know, it gets, uh, it gets caught between what all the other siblings are doing. Uh, it's just trying to do a good job, be a good kid and get love from mom and dad but uh older brother and younger sister are just constantly doing what they want and uh middle kid just gets gets overlooked sometimes man and so uh yeah well just like spencer said small muscles that help do the finer tuning of shoulder movement while the the bigger guys and they help optimize what the bigger guys are doing um funny this is kind of silly but i was just thinking man i wish there was a way to know how many rotator cuff surgeries we've prevented uh truly and how many we will prevent in the course of this company tough to get an exact number on that maybe like when i get to heaven one day i'll i'll ask god maybe a few existential questions first 
and then like the third or fourth one would be like, really though, how many rotator cuff surgeries did I prevent? I, I just love to know. Uh, but that's definitely something that we're about. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the only thing I would add to it is like the, the basic shoulder anatomy is like golf ball on a tee, right? It's pretty common analogy that's used and thrown around in orthopedics quite a bit. Um, and if you've ever golfed, it's pretty darn easy for that that golf ball to fall off the tee, right? The wind can blow or you can barely tap it. And our shoulder would definitely be dislocating a whole bunch um, if it wasn't for our rotator cuff. So the rotator cuff is kind of like this big muscular sling that sits on top of that golf ball and helps hold it in place. And, and like, you know, Ross and Spencer have mentioned, it helps, um, you know, really to optimize movement and, and helps us to be able to do crazy things with our shoulder, like press barbells overhead, overhead squat, hit some, some muscle ups, etc. And uh, it's it's some pretty cool muscles, but but oftentimes is the brunt of the the punishment uh, due to some other things. So I think you know the first thing that, that patients always want to know about is like where do we go? Like I've got shoulder pain. Like what steps do I need to take to to help get rid of it? Um, and I think one of the easiest first things to do is like just modify your movement a little bit. Um, and and so I'd love to spend some some time just chatting about like what are some common modifications that you guys use with patients and uh, I'll be happy to, to weigh in on that as well. Yeah, you know, this, that's a great question is, you know, I think each athlete should have their own methodology of how to scale a movement when injuries come up because injuries are going to come up with training, right? Like we are literally trying to push ourselves to make ourselves better. And occasionally you're going to find that edge that tips over into injury. And so we need to be ready for how to scale for ourselves. And we'll probably do maybe, Maybe we'll do a longer podcast on this at some point. But here's the, the simple way that I've always kind of explained to patients to scale when they start feeling a little bit of pain. Um, you've got speed, you've got uh, load, and you've got range of motion. I always start by modifying with speed. So let's kind of use the example maybe of uh, if you've got shoulder pain doing a push press, right? Or a push press or push jerk. It's a fast movement because you're driving a barbell overhead. So I'd say, okay, first thing, let's modify the speed of it. So if you make a push jerk or a push press slower, then you're kind of going down to a strict press, right? So and a lot of the time, if you know when you bring down speed, uh, you're able to increase control and we can often get around shoulder pain with that. If you modify speed and it's not quite getting you there, then I'd say modify your load make the bar lighter, right? Um, it's pretty simple, like maybe you can start moving well if you just have a little less on the bar. Uh, if you still don't quite get there after modifying um, the load, then the last thing you wanna modify is the range of motion. Maybe it's that you, rather than pressing all the way to the top because you're getting some pinchiness at the top, maybe you don't quite press and hit that full lockout. Or maybe you start from a rack uh, if that bottom position is really bothering you. And if you can just find a range of motion where you can move through with decreased pain, that's a great place to go. And then once you've gone through those three stages, uh, if you're just like, dang man, those three modifications all sucked, I still have shoulder pain, come see a PT. That's what we're here for. I don't know, what do you guys, how do you guys think about it? No, I think you did a, a really good job there, kind of painting the picture of how an athlete can apply that to, you know, their daily training without an actual professional there supervising them. That's three quick, easy things they can do in session 
you know, in competition, whatever they're doing that day. Um, <clears throat> that's th quick, three quick and easy things they can apply. Um, and like you said, if those, if those types of things aren't necessarily um, giving them that pain relief that they need, they, they ultimately need to seek a professional, even if it is for just one session. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all good good points that, that have been pointed out up, up to this point. I think one one thing that I would add is is looking at how does how do your symptoms changing with your workout, right? Because again, right, like Ross has alluded to, you're going to get some of these little annoying training aches and pains here and there. I tell patients all the time, I'd rather have a little small, uh, you know, tendonitis or something going on as opposed to heart disease and not ever moving, right? And so, uh, these things are going to happen. They happen to us and, and they obviously happen to our patients as well. But how does, how do your symptoms change as you go? Right? So if you're getting into some movement and Hey, I got a little bit of soreness, a little bit of tightness as I'm getting to go, you know, working through my barbell warm up, uh, and those symptoms go away. Boom. That's a green light to carry on, right? Like no, no sense in worrying about symptoms at that point. Now, if my symptoms are starting to get worse during my workout, then at that point, like we, we want to do exactly what Ross talked about, right? Like modifying the, the speed, the load, or the range of motion in some capacity um, to, to help reduce those symptoms. And then paying attention to what is it doing, you know, 24 hours after my, my workout, right? If my symptoms aren't recovered within 24 hours of my workout, it's probably time you, you look at seeing somebody, right? Like don't, don't run out, you know, when, when something's two weeks old, but you know, you start getting to that couple week mark um, and those symptoms are lingering two, three, four days and you just keep beating it up. Like that's when symptoms are going to become problematic. And that's where these things get very difficult to treat. And that's where, you know, tendonitis starts setting in, you know, uh, if you've had it for a long time, rotator cuff tears start popping up. And that's why it's important to get intervention early. So yeah, I love all those modifications and uh, things to tackle. So the, the hot debate among every single patient is like, hey, I've got shoulder pain because I have mobility issues. Uh, and, and for some that that can be the case, but but not everyone. Uh, but if we are diving down the mobility route, like what are some some areas of low hanging fruit or some things that you guys really like to go after um, uh, that that you like to utilize for for patients? Uh, yeah. So, you know, it seems like more often than not, um, people with shoulder pain are going to be limited in a few very um, similar patterns. A lot of times we'll see patients that have upper thoracic stiffness. Um, and stiffness in the backside of their shoulder. I would say that's probably the two most common mobility limitations that I get uh, for, for clients that are dealing with general shoulder pain. Uh, so those are two great places to start is addressing the mobility of the backside of your shoulder, as well as making sure, you know, that mid thoracic and upper thoracic spine is allowing your shoulder complex to do its job appropriately. Yeah, I'd say 100% of the time, you always start with the foundation, uh, which is looking at that mid-back, or as Spencer said, the, the thoracic spine. Uh, and you know, it's that can be a, a tough one to assess uh, sometimes of like, yeah, like, you know, when I lean back, it feels tight, but I don't know if it actually is tight. And so we actually have a few kind of thoracic mobility assessments that, um, you know, maybe we'll try to link onto this, or if you don't see them, then reach out and we'll, we'll shoot them to you. But, you know, if you're not moving well through your mid back, then that's, you know, one of the, the first places that I'll typically go if somebody looks tight in the shoulder. 
What about you, Chris? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, mid-back is for sure the area that uh, can be a major issue for people. It's like if you're mid-back, like, you know, I, I like to paint this example at workshops. It's like I'll show you my normal shoulder range of motion, which is pretty darn close to 100%, but I'll simulate a, a kind of a tight mid-back or like a slouched uh, mid-back, and then I try to reach up overhead, and my range of motion gets reduced probably 30 40% immediately. And I didn't change anything about my shoulder and so now that rotator cuff is having to work twice as hard in order to get the arms up overhead and can be a major um, culprit of people's pain. And again, that's why, the, you know, you looking on the Internet and finding, oh, I'm going to do banded external rotation. So you're sitting around with your band, hitting your, your silly exercise, wondering why your, your shoulder isn't getting better. And it's because that root cause wasn't addressed. And I think the mid back can definitely be a big area of that. I think the other area that uh, from a, a true mobility limitation that prevents people from getting up overhead and into good solid positions are the lats, right? So the lats come from the low back, come all the way up and cross the front of the shoulder. Um, and, and again, we do so many lat driven drills, especially in CrossFit and, and other fitness uh, modalities. It's like, hey, I'm pulling barbells from the ground. I'm doing kipping work on the rig. I'm doing toes to bar, you know, you name it. Uh, and suddenly I've got, um, you know, my, my lats are engaged and involved, right? And I'm trying to get them stronger so that I have a better pull-up capacity. And with that, that can create some of, some of the tightness um, where now my rotator cuff is having to work twice as hard. Or as I get up overhead, I'm crunching on all those kind of vital structures because I can't get into a good position. And I'll see this a lot where, where athletes will they'll try to get their arms up overhead to press a barbell out, and, and they can't achieve a full lockout position. And now suddenly, hey, my my rotator cuff is starting to get pretty darn sore, but because it's like uh, you know it's like trying to move a piston in a car without oil, like it is darn near pretty close to impossible to have that to happen, and that's a good way to kill an engine, right? Um, it's a good way to hurt your shoulder as well. Or the same thing with kipping, you know, I'll see this all the time where somebody goes to kip on the rig. And because they can't achieve a full, you know, shoulder lockout overhead, those elbows start bending, those, those shoulders start rotating inwards a little bit more. And then now my poor rotator cuff has taken, taken the brunt of the punishment. And, and that's what's leading to, to a lot of folks pain. And so, yeah, for sure. Like there, there definitely can be true mobility limitations overhead, you know, from the, from the mid back, the back of the shoulder, the lats, I and mean, there's several different things that can, can contribute to that. But again, the bottom line is it's not always a mobility limitation. There are some people who truly need uh, stability of the shoulder. The shoulder is such a mobile joint, like we talked about, that golf ball on a tee. And, and when you don't have that, um, you know, that strength or that stability to, to help get there, that's going to be a major issue for you. So, um, you know, backing up a little bit, what are some things that you guys use? You know, everyone likes to use a good foam roller, good lacrosse ball. You guys are fans of these things, not fans of these things, like uh, or even you know, massage guns for that matter. People will use the fire out of those. So like, you guys like those things for mobility work, uh, especially as it relates around the shoulder or, or not so much? Yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, any, any yeah. tool is a good tool yeah. if used appropriately, right? I think you just got to know how to use them. <laughs> I see a lot of people with the, the best of intention, just, you know, they'll be like out on the gym floor, just kind of mashing around on their shoulder, like, rolling around on that roller and you know they know that looking like a pair of scratching their back in the woods yeah exactly like they're they're trying to do something they just don't exactly know uh what it is and so you're just really learning like hey is my limitation in the joint 
or is my limitation in more of like a muscle being tight? And if it's a joint being tight, then we need to do things that are going to optimize joint movement. And if it's a muscle being short, then we want to do things that are going to help that muscle be longer and so forth. And so it does definitely takes just uh, the right application of any tool. I mean, I'll be at the house and, and feel something that needs work on and I'll grab random objects all the time. You know, I'll grab spoons or go up on the edge of a, my counter or I'll, uh, you know, find like a golf ball or like the edge of a table and every, everything is a mobility tool, man. Right, right. Yeah, to kind of second that, I think just understanding the intent when using those things. Um, you know, like you said, I'll see people foam rolling using the cross ball for 20 minutes. That's entirely too much time um, to be spending on pliability of a tissue uh, with that modality. Um, so yeah, just having a, you know, a good understanding of what you're doing, why you're applying that modality, and then what parameters, you know, how long do I need to be utilizing it? Uh, rarely will I tell a client to do that particular activity on a singular body part for greater than five minutes. Um, so that's a general kind of rule of thumb. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's my biggest bone with some of these mobility tools. Again, they're great tools, uh, but people use them way too long and they don't understand what they're doing when they just want to roll around on them and, and not add anything. So I'm, I'm with you, Spencer. I only utilize a couple minutes with these things. I mean, most of the time you're going to get a, a change in range of motion probably within two minutes, right? Uh, and so if you're pairing that a couple times throughout the day, that's going to be more than enough to get there. But the other big issue that people make with these things is they get that temporary change and then they don't do anything else after, right? That's why I like pairing. And, and this is some of the drills that we utilize in this particular week is where we add a, uh, hey, I'm going to mobilize that tissue, but I'm also going to add some movement with it, right? I'm going to add some shoulder movement. I'm going to help actually work to achieve the position that I want. And then I need to follow it up with something afterwards, right? If I simply roll on a lacrosse ball, get a short-term range of motion change, and then I'm not following that up with some active movement, like pressing a barbell overhead or working to acquire my new range of motion, then I'm just not going to acquire it. And, and at that point, that's when these athletes come in frustrated with us, wondering why their range of motion hasn't improved, despite the fact that they've used, you know, brought tears to their eyes using the lacrosse ball and, uh, you know, a hypervolt. And it's like, all right, guys, this is why this is not working. So, yeah. um, cool. I love that. All, all good things. Go I ahead. I say, if you, uh, if you use your mobility tools and then uh, don't follow it up with movement, uh, it's kind of, I've told people, it's like if you were sharpening your ice skates and then you, after you got done sharpening your ice skates, you went out, you put them on and went out for a walk on the sidewalk for a few and then uh, put them back in the closet. And the next day you are upset that you spent all that time sharpening your ice skates and they're not sharp anymore. It's like, if you if you want to keep that good range, uh, then you got to move well. Uh, especially in that, that first hour or so after you've made that change to, to make that, that positive change a long-term thing. Sure. I love it. No, those are, that's a great analogy. It's uh, super important. So uh, let's round this kind of discussion out real quick on like, what are, what are a couple like easy drills or easy things that you guys like to work on for, you know, someone who's got shoulder pain on the front. We've alluded to some mobility stuff already. But like I talked about, like this isn't always a mobility um, issue. Um, so, so why don't you guys weigh in on that, and uh, then we'll wrap this thing up. 
Yeah, you know, I think that's you hit the nail on the head, Chris. Is you got to figure out is it a uh, mobility issue or is it a stability issue? Basically, the difference is uh, is an issue because I don't have enough movement in my shoulder or somewhere else, or is it an issue because I have too much movement, which is essentially what a stability issue is. And the easiest way to figure out which camp you fall in is to really put yourself in your end range positions, you know, your overhead position or the bottom of a pull-up, and really look if you have full range of motion. If you don't, then try some of these mobility things that we've said. And if you do have that full position, but you're still hurting, then, you know, maybe try some stability exercises, which is where we can kind of work on, you know, some of my favorites there would be like doing some mid-range carries with a kettlebell or, you know, there are certain band exercises that I love or, um, you know, doing some chaos carries and things like that. But um, yeah, that's the first thing that I would say is figuring out if you are a, a stability or a mobility person. Right. Right. Very good. Um, you know, a general couple of general movements that a client can do on their own and uh, understand we, we, um, we understand that it is somewhat difficult to fully self assess, but just a few, um, general movements that you can apply. Um, one of the other, you know, commonly implicated muscles and anterior shoulder pain is the biceps. So, the ability of you, your arm, check the ability of your shoulder to achieve full shoulder extension, which is reaching back with your elbow straight, right? If you're limited there, there's a possibility that your biceps, the long head of the biceps is implicated in that shoulder pain. Um, general rotation of the shoulder at 90 degrees. So you should be able to rotate in approximately 90 degrees externally and approximately 60 to 7 degrees internally those are two general baseline movements that you can apply Uh, and if you're limited in any of those three movements then more than likely you do have a mobility restriction that needs to be addressed yeah that's huge i like how you guys kind of back that up like you know find the root cause of the issue right like anybody can find four exercises online and start applying them and you know maybe your shoulder gets better maybe it doesn't but you know and this is a mistake a lot of people will make they think they have a mobility limitation and they don't actually and they're doing mobility drills or oh they think they have a stability issue and and they're just doing bottoms up kettlebell carries for days yet they've got the world's tightest shoulder trying to get overhead and so i like that you guys have pointed out like you need to get a true assessment and a true understanding of, of what something is. And that points out too. I mean, people all the time, Hey, my shoulder feels tight. Yeah. It feels tight, but you have a hundred percent range of motion. It feels tight because you have too much motion. Um, and I think it's important to, to regress some of that. So yeah, you know, from a drill standpoint, like what are some of the exercises I like, uh, for shoulder kind of stability or anchoring some things down? Uh, I like Ross love a good bottoms up kettlebell carry. It's kind of my, my big go-to, uh, but, but some other things that I like to, to utilize are, are really challenging, uh, the shoulder. Like I, I like a good, uh, we po- published some of this in the Instagram for the, for the week of a good, like internal rotation lunge where I get into a nice 90 degree position yeah. and I'm lunging out, really trying to stabilize my shoulder and really trying to, uh, cause it to, to stabilize. But some of the late stage stuff that I like looks a lot like uh, a workout, right? Where, Hey, maybe I'm going to hit a set of 15 to 20 uh, dumbbell or kettlebell push presses. And then I'm going to hold it overhead after that 15 to 20. And maybe I just walk with it. 
right? Because then at that point, my shoulder is really going to have to stabilize under fatigue, which is what we're having our, our athletes do a lot during CrossFit or during other functional fitness type modalities. It's important that that shoulder is able to stabilize for a prolonged period of time. Out are the ways of three sets of 10 shoulder external rotation with a band. Like, yes, it's a good exercise. Yes, I will employ it at times. But again, we need to challenge that shoulder. That band is not going to hold up for your ability to, to be able to press 70 to 80 percent of your wet, your one rep overhead and right. prevent this shoulder pain from coming back. I can't tell you how many patients I've inherited uh, over the years from previous, you know, other clinics where, yeah, I did three sets of 10 on this band and I just kept moving up the band and, you know, I still hurt overhead. Right. And it's because that root cause wasn't addressed. You know, maybe they weren't challenged enough with, with the appropriate weight or maybe they truly have a mobility limitation. They just didn't receive a good assessment. And so uh, again, there are much more things to shoulder rehab, um, and pain with pressing overhead than, than the traditional banded exercises that you've seen, uh, from many PTs, again, not knocking them, uh, but there many times are better drills that, that need to be served. So cool guys. Any other uh, final thoughts there as it relates to the shoulder? Um, yeah. So one thing that, that I would like, you know, listeners to take away from this is if nothing else understand and, and think of the shoulder, as a multifactorial system like there are tons of things contributing to what's actually going on at the joint right. itself so when you think about it like that it's a little easier to kind of put together the the or paint the picture as to why the problem's occurring so understanding that it's a whole system and like chris said addressing just one tiny little part like with a banded external rotation is not going to fix the complex the shoulder is very much a multifaceted thing um, and it takes, you know, a decent little understanding there, but, but looking at it as a systems approach in regards to the shoulder, uh, will help you a lot. You guys got it all. Yeah, those are, those are big points. I love it. I love it. Uh, guys, feel free to check out our, uh, our blog associated with this as well as our social media content uh, that we'll continue to, to push out. Hope you guys enjoy this original content. Feel free to give us some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear about. Uh, feel free to uh, shoot us a DM on Instagram or uh, shoot us an email. Uh, we'd love to, to help any way we can, and uh, we look forward to diving in uh, next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Nashville Fitness Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by our local physical therapy practice, Be Ready Performance Therapy. Head over to Instagram or our website. You can find us online at BeReadyPT.com or on Instagram at BeReadyPT. On our website, as well as on Instagram, we'll have a bunch more great content in which we dive into things a little bit deeper on our blog, as well as through our videos on Instagram. If you have any questions or comments of what you might like to hear or might like us to discuss on the podcast, please shoot us an email, chris at bereadypt.com or ross at bereadypt.com. It's our passion to answer your questions, so please don't hesitate to shoot us an email or a direct message. Also, we'd love it if you rated and subscribed to our podcast so that we can continue to make this podcast the best it can be.